0: Dear Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name for giving us the privilege of life. We Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you give to us, both in the temporal things and the spiritual things. Thank you, Lord, for reforming our lives and granting us this opportunity to get to know you even more. Now, dear Lord, as we fellowship with you, please be with us in the person of your Holy Spirit. Grant us understanding. Help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. May our love for holy things and spiritual things grow more and more. Grant me the grace, Lord, that I may speak words that will be a blessing to your children who are listening, that we all may be strengthened and edified, preparing for your coming. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, July 26 Overwhelmed by Discouragement And he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. First Kings 19, verse 4 It would seem that after showing courage so undaunted, after triumphing so completely over king and priests and people, Elijah could never afterward have given way to despondency nor been awed into timidity. But he who had been blessed with so many evidences of God's loving care was not above the frailties of mankind and in this dark hour his faith and courage forsook him. Had he remained where he was, had he made God his refuge and strength, standing steadfast for the truth, he would have been shielded from harm. The Lord would have given him another signal victory by sending his judgments on Jezebel. Into the experience of all, there come times of keen disappointment and utter discouragement, days when sorrow is the portion and it is hard to believe that God is still the kind benefactor of his earth-born children, days when troubles harass the soul till death seems preferable to life. It is then that many lose their hold on God. Could we at such times discern with spiritual insight the meaning of God's providences? We should see angels seeking to save us from ourselves, striving to plant our feet upon a foundation more firm than the everlasting hills, and new faith, new life would spring into being. For the disheartened, there is a sure remedy. Faith Prayer, work, faith and activity will impart assurance and satisfaction that will increase day by day. In the darkest days, when appearances seem most forbidding, fear not. Have faith in God. He knows your need. He has all power. His infinite love and compassion never weary and he will bestow upon his faithful servants the measure of efficiency that their need demands. Did God forsake Elijah in his hour of trial? Oh no! He loved his servants no less when Elijah felt himself forsaken of God and man than when, in answer to his prayer, fire flashed from heaven and illuminated the mountain top. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Overwhelmed by Discouragement And we have seen how Elijah displayed A heroic faith For many years Three and a half years Elijah was a man That depended solely on God while there was a famine in Israel, Elijah was sustained miraculously in an unconventional way. God sent ravens to take care of him, giving him bread to eat. And also with the woman of Zarephath, he stayed for many months and the Lord sustained them unconventionally, making sure that the cruse of oil and the wheat that they had never ran dry. And they were sustained all through that time. Elijah came back to Israel, him alone, against Ahab and his army and the prophets of Baal. There, he was not afraid of them. He wasn't afraid that they would seize him and lock him up in prison. He wasn't afraid that they would kill him because he knew that the Lord was with him. How was it that Elijah was able to stand against all Israel alone? If I were the one, I would be afraid that they would seize me. But because the Lord told him to go, he didn't go to Israel just by himself. He was with the woman of Zarephath and he heard God say, Rise up, go to Israel, and I will tell you what to do. And he went in that faith, knowing that the Lord would protect him, knowing that Ahab would not touch him, knowing that he was immortal until his work was done. And he stood against these men, fire came down from heaven confirming that the Lord was God and he oversaw the slaying of the prophets of Baal now he prayed and rain came there was an abundance of rain but something else happened that many of us would wonder why Elijah behaved this way someone who had been tasting the goodness of God firsthand he had seen marvelous works done by God in his own personal life, not in another person's life. And Elijah did something that was not supposed to be the behavior of one who has seen so much miracles from God. Reading 1 Kings chapter 19 from verse 1 to 4 it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So Let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, And he requested for himself that he might die and said it is enough now O Lord take away my life for I am not better than my father's amen now we need to understand what took place here the threat of Jezebel to Elijah was one that had a time fixed on it it was not just a threat I'm going to kill you that's all no Jezebel told Elijah I'm going to kill you, that's basically what she was saying, about this time tomorrow. So Elijah heard this message. He could have done two things, either send a message back to her or maybe not necessarily send a message but at least be courageous and not be afraid or be afraid. Now what did Elijah do? He ran away. Now we need to understand what was going on here in Elijah's mind. It is very strange actually to see a man who had just bravely stood alone against the 450 prophets of Baal and Ahab the king and he was not afraid. It was It is quite strange to see him run away. He trusted God in that time of trial and then became overwhelmed by the threat of one woman. Why was this so? Why was this so? That's the question. Reading from prophets and kings page 160 paragraph 2 it says. Elijah had expected much from the miracle wrought on Carmel. He had hoped that after this display of God's power, Jezebel would no longer have influence over the mind of Ahab and that there would be a speedy reform throughout Israel. All day on Carmel's height, he had toiled without food. Yet, when he guided the chariot of Ahab to to the gate of Jezreel, his courage was strong. Despite the physical strain under which he had labored. But a reaction such as frequently follows high faith and glorious success was pressing upon Elijah. He feared that the reformation begun on Carmel might not be lasting and depression seized him. He had been exalted to Pisgah's top. Now he was in the valley. While under the inspiration of the Almighty, he had stood the severest trial of faith. But in this time of discouragement, with Jezebel's strength sounding in his ears and Satan still apparently prevailing through the plotting of this wicked woman, he lost his hold on God. He had been exalted above measure and the reaction was tremendous. Forgetting God, Elijah fled on and on until he found himself in a dreary waste alone, utterly wearied. He sat down to rest under a juniper tree, and sitting there, he requested for himself that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, he said. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. A fugitive, far from the dwelling places of men, his spirits crushed by bitter disappointment, he desired never again to look upon the face of man. At last, utterly exhausted, he fell asleep. End of quote. What is it that made this a very discouraging and bad time for Elijah? It was that he was actually afraid of the threat of one person as though the threats of men meant anything. He lost his faith in God and treated the threat of Jezebel as though it was the threat of God himself. If anyone was to be afraid at this time, it was Jezebel and not Elijah. She had just lost all the prophets of Baal and the priests also. Nevertheless. Even as I speak, I can put myself in Elijah's shoes and hear the report of her threat. I can well imagine myself filled with fear. It is true that, you know, we can be in this situation and from hindsight look at Elijah and say, Why did Elijah run away? The God that delivered him from the prophets of Baal and sustained him for three and a half years would certainly have delivered him from the hands of Jezebel. It's easy to think that way. And actually, that's the way to think. But you know, as far as there is a devil, there are other thoughts that will come to the mind. It just depends on what you choose to dwell upon. If you put yourself in Elijah's shoes, there are thoughts that could come to the mind that can discourage you. And those thoughts are thoughts of unbelief. If anyone was supposed to be afraid of Jezebel, why? The next thought that should have come to her mind was, I'm the next. If the priests and prophets of Baal have been slain, Elijah will be coming for me to slay me also. I need to run away. If there's anyone that needed to, to run, it is Jezebel. But, you know, Satan knows how to work. Satan did not give up. And he gave Jezebel a courage that is just Satanic and made her send that message to Elijah through a man. The person, the messenger sent to Elijah told him, Jezebel said she's going to destroy you by this time tomorrow. Now it is courage versus courage. Since Jezebel was not afraid, she was supposed to be afraid when Ahab told her all that happened. But she was not afraid. Elijah now got a fearful message. His reaction now is what I'm saying that we need to consider. If I were in Elijah's shoes, there are thoughts that could come to the mind and to be suggested by Satan. The thoughts could go like this. You know, It is true that God sent fire from heaven just now. But what if he does not do it again? It is true that the prophets of Baal were just slain, but what if I don't have that help from God and from the people? Because there's the people that slain him, what if the people turn against me now? It is true that the rain was withheld for three and a half years. You know, but it is possible that at this time Jezebel could send men to slay me. Yes, the rain just fell in answer to my prayer, but what if I am presumptuous and go to a battle against Jezebel and I am actually killed by her? Let me not be presumptuous and wait here while she slays me. The best and safest thing for me is to run away. Who knows whether it is not going to be asking too much from God for him to deliver me from Jezebel. Lest I be presumptuous, let me just run away instead. In this way, I see myself also fleeing. With this kind of thoughts, I see myself also fleeing. But that is if I don't know the story of Elijah. This chapter of Elijah's life was written for my learning and for your learning, so that when I am in the same situation as Elijah and you also, we should not repeat the same thing Elijah did, we should not repeat the same mistake. So let us see what Elijah should have done and learn to do the same thing when we find ourselves in the same situation. Reading from Prophets and Kings, page 160, paragraph 1, it says, Elijah should not have fled from his post of duty. He should have met the threat of Jezebel with an appeal for protection to the one who had commissioned him to vindicate the honor of Jehovah. He should have told the messenger that the God in whom he trusted would protect him against the hatred of the queen. Only a few hours had passed since he had witnessed a wonderful manifestation of divine power and this should have given him assurance that he would not now be forsaken. Had he remained where he was, had he made God his refuge and strength, standing steadfast for the truth, he would have been shielded from harm. The Lord would have given him another signal victory by sending his judgments on Jezebel. And the impression made on the king and the people would have wrought a great reformation. You see, so we are learning what we should do in times when we are faced with persecution and threats. We are not to lose our faith in god now as i'm thinking about it it doesn't mean that you go headlong to go and meet jezebel or your persecutor and fight with them you know jesus himself said if they persecute you in one city flee into another city but that fleeing was not this type that elijah did the fleeing to another city jesus meant is you don't lose your faith in god and then request to be killed afraid that you are going to be killed by whoever is persecuting you That is different from what Elijah did. Elijah actually felt that even if God was there, Jezebel would still destroy him. He lost his faith in God. It's not that the threat of Jezebel was the issue. It was his faith in God that was the issue. He lost it. When Jesus was fleeing from his persecutors, he was not losing faith in God while fleeing. He was doing what needed to be done at the time. But Elijah's case was that he fled with a mindset that God could not deliver him from Jezebel. That is the mistake and the sin that Elijah involved himself in here. Another person who was in a similar crisis as Elijah was a man called Martin Luther. He was a Catholic monk who had the privilege of reading the Bible in a time when it was outlawed for the people to read the Bible. Having read it, he understood that the faith which he had was vain and he changed his faith and practice and urged others to do the same because he was now following the word of God. Many left the paganism of the Roman Catholic faith which was displeasing to the Pope. On account of this, numerous measures were taken against him. The city he lived in was threatened. A lot of people turned against him and saw him as a troubler in Israel. He was persecuted, insulted and threatened so severely. Like Jezebel killed the prophets of God, the papacy was notorious for killing anyone who followed the Bible faith. Like Elijah, Martin Luther had also been responsible for the destruction of Baal's prophets in the form of How he came against and overthrew the false doctrines of the papacy with his pen. The papacy could take it no more. Luther went further and did something that was a pleasure to heaven, but a great annoyance to the papacy. Let's read what it was. In Great Controversy, page 140, paragraph 5, here's what Luther wrote. Luther wrote, Thoughts of the universities, that's of the Catholic universities, he said, I am much afraid that the universities will prove to be the great gates of hell unless they diligently labor in explaining the holy scriptures and engraving them in the hearts of youth. I advise no one to place his child where the scriptures do not reign paramount. Every institution in which men are not unceasingly occupied with the word of God must become corrupt. Wow. What followed? it says this appeal was rapidly circulated so luther made an appeal take your people away from these catholic universities because it is the gates of hell what happened it says this appeal was rapidly circulated throughout germany and exerted a powerful influence upon the people the whole nation was stirred and multitudes were roused to rally around the standard of reform luther's opponents burning with a desire for revenge urged the pope to take decisive measures against him. It was decreed that his doctrine should immediately be condemned. Sixty days were granted the reformer and his adherents. After which, if they did not recant, they were all to be excommunicated. End of quote. You see, this was the final straw for the papacy. Like Jezebel, the papacy was out for Luther's life and they had set a date. Jezebel set a date, the papacy also set a date. I'm going to deal with you people. Excommunication was almost like death and eventually when the Catholic Church then said excommunication, eventually they are going to kill you. That was what they did to Luther. You see, that sim- this is a similar experience for Luther that Elijah also had. But Luther did not respond the way Elijah responded and we have a good example in the way Luther responded. So I continue to read now, our Great Controversy page 141 paragraph 2 it says, That was a terrible crisis for the Reformation. For centuries, Rome's sentence of excommunication had struck terror to powerful monarchs. It had filled mighty empires with woe and desolation. Those upon whom its condemnation fell were universally regarded with dread and horror. They were cut off from intercourse with their fellows and treated as outlaws to be hunted to extermination. So let me pause. Do you see that? When the Pope declared 60 days i give you luther and your people after that i excommunicate you that excommunication did not just mean you are going to be taken away from the catholic church it means you will be haunted and you'll be killed i continue the reading now how did luther react it says luther was not blind to the tempest about to burst upon him but he stood firm trusting in christ to be his support and shield with a martyr's faith and courage he wrote what is about to happen I know not, nor do I care to know. Let the blue light where it may, I am without fear. Not so much as a leaf falls, without the will of our Father, how much rather will he care for us? It is a light thing to die for the word, since the word which was made flesh had himself died. If we die with him, we shall live with him, and passing through that which he has passed through before us, we shall be where he is and dwell with him forever. Amen. But Luther was fearless still, Rome had hurled her anathemas against him, and the world looked on, nothing doubting that he would perish or be forced to yield. But with terrible power, he flung back upon herself the sentence of condemnation and public and publicly declared his determination to abandon her forever. In the presence of a crowd of students, doctors, and citizens of all ranks, Luther burned the Pope's bull with the canon laws, the decretals, and certain writings sustaining the paper power. He said, My enemies have been able, by burning my books, he said, to injure the course of truth in the minds of the common people and destroy their souls. For this reason, I consume their books in return. A serious struggle has just begun. Hitherto, I have been only playing with the Pope. I began this work in God's name. It will be ended without me and by his might. Wow! What a courageous statement made by Luther. He I will continue read, but look at what Luther said here, he said, what I have been doing before with the Pope, I have just been playing with him, I am going to get serious with him now. Wow, this is just a man, just like Elijah, a mere man, he has no soldiers to control, he has no troops with weapons of war. What was his constant dependence was the word of God and the God of heaven that he depended upon. He wasn't deceiving himself like he cannot die, no, he knew he could die, but he said, I am not afraid of dying, my Lord Jesus died for the truth. I'm not afraid. If you want to kill me, come and kill me. But to think that I'm going to be afraid of you and lose my faith and be discouraged? No, you're not going to get that from me. We should be inspired with this kind of courage. Let me continue the reading. It says, To the reproaches of his enemies who taunted him with the weakness of his cause, Luther answered, Who knows if God has not chosen chosen and called me, and if they ought not to fear that by despising me, they despise God himself. Moses was alone at the departure from Egypt. Elijah was alone in the reign of King Ahab. Isaiah alone in Jerusalem. Ezekiel alone in Babylon. God never selected as a prophet either the high priest or any other great personage. But ordinarily, he chose low and despised men. Once even the shepherd Amos. In every age, the saints have had to reprove the great kings, princes, priests, and wise men at the peril of their lives. I do not say that I am a prophet, but I say that they ought to fear precisely because I am alone, and that they are many. I am sure of this, that the word of God is with me, and that it is not with them. Amen. These statements of Luther are just so inspiring, they are so motivating as compared with the reaction of Elijah when he ran away. Elijah should have told Jezebel like Luther said, I've just started playing with you. I'll get serious with you now, just like Luther said. And we too. We don't say these things because we are not thinking that we can die. We can die when we stand for the truth. But that doesn't mean that we become afraid. That's what we learn from Luther. I continue the reading. It says, Opposition is the lot of all whom God employs to present truths specially applicable to their time. There was a present truth in the days of Luther, a truth that that time was of special importance. There is a present truth for the church today. He who does all things according to the counsel of his will, has been pleased to place men under various circumstances and to enjoin upon them duties peculiar to the times in which they live and the conditions under which they are placed. If they would prize the light given them, broader views of truth would be opened before them. But truth is no more desired by the majority today than it was by the Papists who opposed Luther. There is the same disposition to accept the theories and traditions of men instead of the word of God as in former ages. Those who present the truth for this time should not expect to be received with greater favor than were earlier reformers. The great controversy between truth and error between Christ and Satan is to increase in intensity to the close of the world's history said Jesus to his disciples. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. John 15 verse 19 and 20 And on the other hand, our Lord declared plainly, Woe unto you! when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Luke chapter 6, verse 26 The spirit of the world is no more in harmony with the spirit of Christ today than in earlier times. And those who preach the word of God in its purity will be received with no greater favor now than then. The forms of opposition to the truth may change. The enmity may be less open because it is more subtle but the same antagonism still exists and will be manifested to the end of time. End of quote. Amen. My, this is something really interesting for us to take note of. We are also going to come to these times when, because of the truth that we are presenting, which is the present truth for our time, We are going to receive opposition. Every man will feel this if you, like Elijah or like Martin Luther, are standing alone against the apostasy that is happening in Israel, in the world, in your church. When you stand alone and are preaching the present truth for this time, telling people things that they do not love to hear, whereas that thing you are saying is the truth as it is found in the Bible, You will receive opposition like Luther received, but what do we do with that opposition? That is what we are learning. We must not be discouraged. It could be like Elijah, we may receive threats against our life because of our faith and the works we are doing in the name of God. We need to learn that in such times, we can depend on God in prayer and have more faith. Reading from Great Controversy, page 608, paragraph 2, to give us a picture of what is coming before us prepare because this is coming for you if you are among those who are like elijah and like luther preaching the present truth for this time the commandments of god and the faith of jesus urging people to keep the commandments if you are among those get ready because you need to have a faith that will be able to withstand opposition great controversy page 608 paragraph two and downward says as the storm approaches a large class who have professed faith in the third angel's message but have not been sanctified through obedience to the truth abandoned their position and joined the ranks of the opposition. I hope that's not us. By uniting with the world and partaking of his spirit, they have come to view matters in nearly the same light and when the test is brought, they are prepared to choose the easy, popular side men of talent and pleasing address who once rejoiced in the truth employ their powers to deceive and mislead souls they become the most bitter enemies of their former brethren going on it says in this time of persecution the faith of the Lord's servants will be tried they have faithfully given the warning looking to God and to his word alone God's spirit moving upon their hearts has constrained them to speak stimulated with holy zeal and with the divine impulse strong upon them they entered upon the performance of their duties without coldly calculating the consequences of speaking to the people the word which the lord had given them they have not consulted their temporal interests nor sought to preserve their reputation or their lives yet when the storm of opposition and reproach bursts upon them some overwhelmed with consternation we'll be ready to exclaim had we foreseen the consequences of our words we would have held our peace let me stop you see this is, the ex- this is exactly what elijah was saying he was more or less saying if i knew that this would be the consequences of what i was doing i would have held my peace that's what elijah was saying by running away from jezebel's truth. I continue to read and it says, they are hedged with difficulties, Satan assails them with fierce temptations, the work which they have undertaken seems far beyond their ability to accomplish. They are threatened with destruction, just like Elijah, the enthusiasm which animated them is gone, just like Elijah, yet they cannot turn back, that's just like Luther, then Feeling their utter helplessness, they flee to the Mighty One for strength. They remember that the words which they have spoken were not theirs, but his who bade them give the warning. God put the truth into their hearts, and they could not forbear to proclaim it. End of quote you see as we go through this is giving us inspiration and courage as we look at the life of Elijah and look at the life of Luther we see lessons that we should learn do not make the mistake that Elijah made he's a holy man he's a very blessed man Elijah never tasted death this was the time of discouragement for Elijah and I'm not disparaging him but we cannot because of his experience and because of his holiness say that we will repeat his mistake we have a better example in Luther's steadfastness and courage and that is what we should prepare to replicate when we also face threats and opposition. So we have to remember that we are not doing our work and that we were moved by God when we were impressed to speak the truth. Also, we have the word of God on our side. That's what Luther said, this thing I am sure of. I have the word of God on my side and they do not have the word of God on their side. If there is anyone who should be afraid, it is them, not me. Because I am alone and the word of God is with me. So, we have the word of God on our side, which gave the grace and commission to speak and to do the things that we do. At times, there will be those who would come to us to make us feel like we we have done wrong in the manner we preached the truth. They will seize upon a statement here, or a gesture there, and would want to make a man an offender for a word. At times, the child of God will feel like they have done wrong, but... If we remember how that God gave us signal victories, and especially have the word of God for the things that we did, we are not to feel despondent and discouraged. Elijah was responsible for the death of 450 prophets of Baal. We may also, through our preaching, be responsible for the agents of Satan to lose their influence which they once had on the minds of men. We may be instruments to deal a great blow on Satan's kingdom, and people may want us to feel guilty. They want to put us on a guilt trip at such times. Let us not be discouraged. Let us have faith. The God who said we should cry aloud and spare not will be our defense, even if the whole world turns against us. Reading from Great Controversy, page 609 now, it says, The same trials have been experienced by men of God in ages past. Wycliffe, Hoss, Luther, Tyndale, Baxter, Wesley urged that all doctrines be brought to the test of the Bible and declared that they would renounce everything which it condemned. Against these men, persecution raged with relentless fury, yet they ceased not to declare the truth, which is the problem with Elijah. He ceased his work because of threats and the raging persecutions that was brought to him. Elijah was not even touched yet. People like um, Wesley how many times he was seized and beaten yet he continued to preach the truth that is an example that we should follow i continue the reading, it says different periods in the history of the church have each been marked by the development of some special truth adapted to the necessities of god's people at that time every new truth has made its way against hatred and opposition those who were blessed with its light were tempted and tried The Lord gives a special truth for the people in an emergency. Who dare refuse to publish it? He commands his servants to present the last invitation of mercy to the world. They cannot remain silent except at the peril of their souls. Christ's ambassadors have nothing to do with consequences. I take that again. Christ's ambassadors have nothing to do with consequences. They must perform their duty and leave the results with God. Amen. And I hope that that sinks in well into my mind and into your mind. That we should not bother ourselves with consequences. We should rather just think about doing the truth alone. Forget about the threats. Forget about what people are going to do. Remember that we are immortal until our work is done. They may kill, but yet we have done our work. We are not to manifest unbelief or fear or discouragement, but rather, we are to stand courageous even till we die. Continuing page 16, paragraph 3 it says, But so long as Jesus remains man's intercessor in the sanctuary above, the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit is felt by the rulers and people. It still controls, to some extent, the laws of the land. Were it not for these laws, the condition of the world would be much worse than it is now. While many of our rulers are active agents of Satan, God also has his agents among the leading men of the nation. The enemy moves upon his servants to propose measures that will greatly impede the work of God, but statesmen who fear the Lord are influenced by holy angels to oppose such propositions with unanswerable arguments. Thus, a few men will hold in check a powerful Current. The opposition of the enemies of truth will be restrained, that the third angel's message may do its work. When the final warning shall be given, it will arrest the attention of these leading men through whom the Lord is now working, and some of them will accept it. Will accept it, and will stand with the people of God through the time of trouble. Amen. End of quote. Do you see now that the courage of God's people is very important and useful for the conversion of other men? who are not as knowledgeable as God's people because these men, God is using them in the Senate, in the House of Reps to make sure that the laws that are made are favoring God's people. We We need to learn from this lesson of Luther to have the courage and firmness that is needed for the opposition that is about to rage upon us very soon. My brothers and sisters, I cannot say it any better than what I have just read. Let us learn and be inspired today. No matter the threat that comes against you, remember that our Lord Jesus died for the truth. So it is not a big thing for me also to die for the truth. It is a privilege, in fact. It is an honor. So, whoever is threatening to take my life or your life because we are standing for the truth, whoever is threatening to make you lose your job because you are standing for the truth, do not be afraid. Don't cave in. Don't run away. Stand firmly for the truth. Be polite. Be courteous. Be kind. Be loving. But no way should you manifest unbelief or change your beliefs or faith because of the threats of men remember that the lord who took care of luther and took care of elijah can also take care of you and if he pleases that the consequence of our standing for the truth will be a loss of our lives or loss of whatever property or reputation let it be let us not think of consequences the servants of god the ambassadors of god have nothing with, to do with consequences we cannot remain silent at the, because it's at the peril of our souls we must cry aloud we must spare not we must give the trumpet a certain sound and preach the word of God. I pray that we all are inspired with courage and learn not to repeat the discouragement of Elijah and that we all may be prepared to stand boldly for the Lord in the opposition that is coming soon for us. It may be in your family, it may be in your office, it may be on the state level, on a worldwide level, whichever the case, let us be inspired to stand courageously in the truth. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you Lord for these lessons that we have just gone through now. I pray that you will inspire us with courage, with zeal and firmness, that we will not quake and our knees will not knock at the threats of men. Help us Lord instead to have our hands pure, to have our hearts clean so that we can firmly say that the Lord is on our side even if we are alone and we have nothing to fear. If we have manifested such fears in the past, please, Lord, forgive us, have mercy on us, and help us, Lord, to also repent of our cowardice and stand firmly from henceforth. In Jesus' name of
1: greed, amen. There are moments on our journey. Stances make perfect sense to us As we try to understand each move He makes When the path grows dim And our questions have no answers turned to Him won't cease to blow.